is Donna Peters back for season four of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. Here we continue to shine a mic on career-driven, life-minded professionals, sharing our wins and our warts as we cultivate the role we want work to play in our lives. Putting work to work for us, as I like to say, let's get in there. Me sweet listeners, I want you to buckle up for this conversation. I am in the me suite today with Jasmine Burton and take note because I believe that I am having an interview with the future. It is so much easier to talk about the things that Jasmine is not involved in because that list is a lot shorter than the list of what she is involved in. But let me give you just a little bit of a peek into who I have the pleasure of talking with and sharing with you today. Jasmine has an undergrad degree from the College of Design at Georgia Tech. She has a master's in public health. Uh, Very shortly on the heels will be an MBA. She is the founder of Wish for Wash, which we will talk about in just a moment. She was part of the very first all-female team at Georgia Tech's InVenture competition and was the winner. Her team was the winner of this competition. We're going to talk about that. She, at her heart, is an industrial designer and is the only person in my life that has the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals featured in her LinkedIn profile. So what we are having here today is a conversation with someone who is in business for good. And I think that that should be the title of Jasmine's book. In business for good. So let me shut up because she's going to be far more interesting. And welcome Jasmine Burton to the Me Suite. Oh, thank you so much, Donna. I really appreciate that. Uh, really glad to be here. Jasmine, you know that we start with core values, and I'll probably get chill bumps learning what yours are. What are they, and how have they driven you to make all these important decisions and put your focus in these areas? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think uh, coming from a a background in product design, trained in design thinking, uh, which is really just a mindset and a methodology to approach problems both in business and in life, uh, that's that's rooted around people and understanding Mm. and connecting with and really empathizing with diverse people. Mm. Um, And that, I think, is really the cornerstone for where a lot of my my work in life is is, uh, kind of rooted in is this idea of empathy. Um, What does it mean to empathize with different folks, different stakeholders, and how do you co-create with them so that you're creating solutions and business models and projects and practices that are actually going to last. Um, And so for me, empathy is is really, it's a crucial practice. It's hard to wrap your brain around sometimes Mm -hmm. because it is, we all come to the the table with different worldviews and and skill sets and mindsets. And so, you know, this idea of training people to, to empathize, what does it mean to actually understand? How do you ask questions? How do you conduct research? How do you build businesses that are inclusive, that have the opportunity to bring different voices to the table. Um, that to me is sort of where all of my excitement um, mm-hmm. in the work that I do is, is based. Uh, and so for me, uh, my, my SDGs of, of focus, uh, for those that might not be familiar, these are the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals that were created in, in 2015 uh, to really help kind of put the world uh, on a tangible pathway to, to make you know, progress and sustainability more within reach. Uh, so there's indicators across 17 different goals. And for me, the, the third SDG, which is focused around health, uh, the fifth SDG, which is focused around gender equality, mm. and the sixth SDG, which is focused on water and sanitation for all, are really sort of my, my lanes of work, uh, if you will, coming from a public health lens, 
uh, particularly from a toilet design uh, perspective, which is a very niche field, <laughs> if you can imagine. Uh, but gender equality and social inclusion has been sort of a through line in all of my public health and sanitation related work um, as sort of my, my call to action and sort of my driving force for how I can bring my identity uh, into the work that I do, but then how I can also amplify and enable others who don't necessarily have the platform and networks to have their voices be heard uh, as frequently. Um, how can I enable that? How can I be a door holder yeah. for them? Uh, and that sort of is how all my core values are connected through the SDGs. You inspired me when I went and learned and studied your SDGs, your Sustainable Development Goals. You inspired me to reflect on my own. And so I now, Jasmine, have my SDGs on my LinkedIn profile. Oh, awesome. Very yes. cool. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I have four, five, and eight. Uh, four is around equality education. Five, you and I have in common around gender equality. And eight is around meaningful work and economic growth. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to yes. challenge listeners to uh, take a look at that and, and decide which of those SDGs they would align with. It was a really powerful exercise for me. So thank you for being the inspiration for that. Yes, of course. No, it's really cool to see more people seeing themselves as a piece of this bigger kind of framework. Uh, yeah. It's not just like these countries and world leaders. It's like individuals can identify as these SDGs. And that, you know, if we get enough people behind that, we yeah. can all sort of collectively move uh, towards making the world a better place. Yeah, it was terrific. Now, I do want to go back to something you said that we just glossed very quickly over that we cannot let lie. You said toilet design. Yes. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, roll around in that for a moment. And I know that you have been out speaking on you and your team's innovations in toilet design and bringing solutions to the world. I understand you have been featured in CNN Money in Wired, Fast Company, and even on the TEDx stages on this topic. What is toilet design? And just share with the listeners how you have been giving of yourself in this space. Yes, yeah. Well, so I guess uh, kind of rewinding back to the beginning. So when I started my product design program at Georgia Tech, I was a freshman um, and I was learning about, you know, the power of using design, design thinking as a tool for, uh, you know, creating products and services that meet user needs. Uh, we often study case studies like the iPhone or Apple and kind of how the iPhone was created and based off of a need that people didn't even know that they had. Mm. Uh, and that's sort of the essence of what the, the power of design and kind of coming into school with that framework, it was really, really powerful. But I really found myself questioning sort of where I, where I sat in the industry, mm -hmm. um, especially when we you know, took manufacturing classes and we had to learn how to make products that were it's called cradle to grave. So essentially uh, products that are meant to kind of decompose naturally in, in uh, landfills, like it, it, how do you create something that once it's no longer trendy or of use, it you know, can be re repurposed. Um, and I found myself questioning, you know, I don't want to be designing trash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be designing <laughs> trend products. I don't want to be creating something that doesn't have, you know, an, an apparent value for a long lasting uh, reason for, mm -hmm. for people. Um, and so that's, Sort of put me in, in the pathway of looking for what does it mean to be an impact designer? What does that look like? Um, I went to the Georgia Tech Women's Leadership Conference. Again, I was 18 and I heard a speaker uh, talk about how the world, you know, half the world doesn't have access to safely managed sanitation mm. and how that disproportionately impacts the livelihoods and career advancements of women and girls, uh, particularly in, in marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of, you know, having this realization of being, you know, a woman in higher education who was exploring my passions and interests, but that girls in a lot of other contexts don't even get the chance to graduate school because their schools don't have toilets. That to me was just 
this mm. disconnect. Um, and I sort of left that conference. Again, I was 18. I called my parents <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm going to design toilets. Like, this is what I'm going to do, <laughs> which they were very shocked, if you can imagine. <laughs> so very sort of niche calling. Um, but it's been really cool to sort of see that it's beyond the toilet. Uh, there is such a strong need for actual physical toilet design development that is more inclusive in terms of cost, in terms of usability, in terms of uh, different cultures and contexts have different hygiene practices that are very taboo and stigmatized to talk about, particularly for women. Mm -hmm. And how do you break down some of those barriers through design, uh, through creating safe spaces and affordable products and, and infrastructure? But then even kind of beyond that and sort of what I've been exploring over the past seven years is uh, you know, what are the health implications and who, you know, what are the business opportunities? Who, who's paying for it? Who's mm-hmm. ultimately able to pay for it? And in a lot of these communities, it's not at a household level. It's not something where an individual is able to afford, you know, a septic system. And this is something that's a reality, you know, globally, as mm-hmm. well as here in our backyard in Georgia, you know, septic failure is a huge problem and it leads mm-hmm. to hookworm outbreaks and it, particularly in, in communities of color, um, here as well. And, it, and that reality is just something that I've worked to not only amplify and showcase that it is a problem, but then using that design thinking mindset to reframe that problem into an opportunity, an opportunity as it relates to product development, an opportunity as it relates to business. Yeah. Um, and then also an opportunity to actually, you know, make the world a better place because everybody poops ultimately. And that's yeah. what our phrase is at Wish for Wash. Uh, my organization is everybody poops because Ultimately, no matter who you are, your your life experiences, um, this is a connecting reality. And if we can't talk about it, if we can't uh, break down sort of what that means for our our lived experiences, then we can't create solutions that will ultimately impact all of us. You just received an award for 30 under 30 in the nonprofit land. So I can only imagine what you <laughs> what you will have done in 30 years from now. So... I just hope you'll still take my phone calls. Oh my gosh, yes, of course. Okay, okay. all right. <laughs> yes, I'm going to keep the bar so. that low. I just want you to still take my calls. Okay, so l- let me uh, shift just a little bit, but still in the realm. I was fascinated to look at your education background and see the Georgia Tech design experience, to see the master's in public health, to see your pursuit of an MBA. We as individuals are not not-for-profit. And at the same time, you are giving of yourself and your energies and your talents to the business community and the not-for-profit space. Can you talk a little bit about what does it mean to be in business for good? Yes, yes, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, um, yes, it, it, it all, my, my career path and educational pursuits really have been an evolution over time. Sort of once I realized I was passionate about sanitation and toilet innovation and working in the space, I realized in, in college, I was like, at some point, I'm probably going to have to learn about health and infectious diseases mm-hmm. as it relates to this. You know, and then once I was practicing as a public health practitioner, I was actually on contract at CDC during the beginning of the pandemic, wow. sort of recognizing like, okay, you know, there's an opportunity here for business to really drive sustainable impact in the way that, you know, public sector only has X number of, of, uh, you know, capacity or people or ability to make, you know, innovative change as it relates to infrastructure and big policies. And so there is a private sector opportunity here that is really untapped, particularly in sanitation. Um, And so for me, that was sort of this moment where I sort of started thinking about like, what is the opportunity for me to kind of merge all of these skill sets and mindsets to drive change at these intersections? And I think 
being, you know, business as a force for good, there's so many different like lanes to that. I think um, I w- had the opportunity through Emory uh, to partake in a pilot uh, learning lab about B corporations and mm-hmm. what does it mean to actually, you know, be a B Corp in, in, in the world today. And a B Corporation, for those who might not be familiar, is a benefit corporation where it's actually in your articles of incorporation. You're uh, held to these standards by an external body to not only um, kind of be held to the standards of kind of whatever your mission is as an organization, but you have sustainable supply chains. You have these uh, expectations in terms of how you treat your workers. Uh, You have expectations for how you are treating the relationships you're building and the impact that you're creating in the communities that touch your business. Um, And sort of what I found to be really inspiring about it is that, A, it's a very rigorous process to become Mm -hmm. a, a B corporation. And there are some very strict standards and you have to prove that you're actually doing these things. It's not enough to say, we want to make the world a better place. It's what are you actually, how is it codified in the way that your business is structured? And I think that there's something really powerful about that so that it's not just about an inspiring visionary business leader. It's actually built into the the, the, the threads of how the yeah. business is structured and it has to be you know, scaled that way and how the business continues to grow. Um, but I also think it's really inspiring how you know, kind of in light of this time that we're in, you know, moving out of 2020, where so many things were unearthed for a lot of people, there's a big demand for people really wanting to be evaluated to see like, what are the gaps that we have as a business, you know, in terms of where we are and where we want to be, if we want to be B Corp certified. But if you are able to operate within the constraints of a B corporation, you're able to, you know, drive sustainable economic outcomes for your workers. You're able to, you know, create positive instead of uh, like negative social consequences because of you, you didn't have that mindset when you put, put your business into certain communities. And I think, again, it's just really exciting to see that people want to be evaluated in that way, both small businesses and larger businesses. And I think too, just seeing nonprofits kind of in light of COVID and you know, nonprofits and smaller businesses that have you know, had to close their doors because of funding being reallocated with COVID. You know, I, I wish for Wash is, is, has a nonprofit arm and a for-profit arm. And we were lucky enough that we were set up in a way where we can you know, withstand sort of the test of, of, of mm. the pandemic, but a lot of social businesses were not. And I think having the skill sets and mindsets of what does it mean to have an operational strategy? What does it mean to have like sustainable, you know, revenue generating opportunities for you as a, as a core entity so that you can continue driving the impact that you're looking to create in the event that there is a pandemic or some sort of, you know, yeah catastrophic event so that when grant funding is reallocated, you don't have to fold. And I think that was another reason why I um, was really interested in pursuing an MBA, particularly in this time, was to help be a force within the nonprofit social business space to say, what does it mean for us to be resilient? What does it mean for us to be self-reliant? So that, you know, again, as the ecosystem continues to change, we still have some some funding, we still have some skill set, we have some mindset we planned so mm-hmm. that we can last beyond sort of the scope of, of you know, grants and donors. It's been exciting to sort of see the opportunities that have come out of you know the past year and a half. Um, it is really challenging. You know, the future of work is unknown in a lot of ways. But you know, from somebody who is very like sustainable development goal driven, um, to see people who didn't necessarily always see the value or see how they plugged into this bigger framework, kind of questioning like how they could you know make their business better or as, as individuals plug into these bigger frameworks and concepts. It's really exciting to see that people see the value of it Mm -hmm. now and also want to be connected to this bigger change because there's a business case for it. There's a human rights case. There's a public health case for why, you know, SDGs matter. Um, And so I think that to me is 
the reason that there's such a powerful force around using business for good. For good. Over the last several years as an executive coach, I was seeing the wave of people using core values as a filter of, do I want to go work for company A or company B? Are their core values more aligned to mine than another? I think the next horizon is this B Corp certification. And that's going to start to be part of this dialogue of, do I want to go work for that company or not? Do they have B certification or not? Do you see that also? Yes, yes, I think that that, I mean, I'm I'm seeing that in myself mm-hmm. as well, right? Like in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, reflecting on what I'm learning and how I want to continue growing and moving in this space yeah. um, is, you know, using that as a filter. And I, I mentioned, you know, empathy as like one of my core values, but like empathy for people, empathy for the planet and mm-hmm. how do companies filter that or, you know, have that as a mindset for how they are operating. And if it if they're not, it's almost like, you know... <laughs> Why, how how are you continuing to exist? Like, is this going to continue in the next few years or are you going to go under because you don't have this future oriented mindset? And so it is definitely a filter in terms of like where I could see myself contributing the most value to society, but also, you know, Mm -hmm. longevity. I don't want to sign up to be a part of a company that's not going to last because you didn't (laughs) think about the future. And I think that that's just kind of, it feels like it's an imperative now. Yeah. So a couple of fun questions. If you had not found toilets, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so like I mentioned, I, I mean, I guess I found toilets very early on in my <laughs> life, uh, which I feel is very, very lucky. Um, I mean, I knew, I always knew that I wanted to work in the impact space. I was always a creative. Mm. I thought I was going to be an architect for a while. Um, and I took some, ah. took some, you know, sketching classes and very quickly realized I needed something physical that I could touch in mm-hmm. prototype and not like a huge building. Um, so I originally thought I was going to be an architect for sustainable housing. Okay. And this was like post Katrina. So thinking about how, you know, you could come up with like quick housing development that's also sustainable and wow. affordable. So that was sort of my, my mindset going into college. I also at one point thought I was going to be um, a vet, which okay. didn't last very long once I realized, um, you know, that you actually have to put down animals. I was like, that's not yeah. for me. So I do think I would have ended up in a creative profession. I think design uh, was like product design was a selling point for me in mm-hmm. college because somebody framed it to me as it's art for a purpose. Okay. You're creating something or drawing something or conceptualizing something, but it's meeting someone's needs rather than sort of saying, this is my view of the world, sort of take it or leave it, mm. uh, which I was very much in that mindset as an artist in, in high school. And so, um, yeah, I think I would have ended up in some sort of creative profession uh, because I see design as a tool for meeting people's needs. But I don't know if I would have dove so far far into the uh, SDG kind of impact space uh, without toilets. So toilets has definitely been a gateway for me into a lot of different pathways in the impact economy. Another fun question. Uh, you have a lot of degrees under your belt and formal education. Were you to go back to school or keep going to school, what other degree would you put on your resume? Oh, that's a good one too. Um, so yes, I think I've definitely pursued a lot of education and I will say I feel very lucky in the sense that I've had a lot of sponsorship and support in yeah. that. And a lot of people that work in the impact space um, often don't. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's definitely something I would love to be a part of the future of accessing education, particularly for those who work in the impact space. Well, that's my SDG. Yes. So we, we can yes. work on that together. Yes. Yeah. I think there's so much there and so much opportunity for how to create yeah. opportunities for people to to get higher education um, yeah. in a way that's more sustainable. So yes, I think 
I've been very lucky in, in, in the sense that I've had a lot of support in, in pursuing my degrees and mm-hmm. in the event that I were to continue, which is definitely, you know, definitely a seed in the back of my mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure to what extent it'll uh, come into fruition, but I think it would be really awesome to pursue uh, potentially a PhD at some point okay. um, in sort of this, this intersectional approach to business, um, particularly within uh, this the sanitation space. I, I've mentioned the sanitation economy. There's so much there that doesn't exist yet that I think could be really cool from an R&D research perspective, but then also from like, you know, making the case for why others should, you know, invest yeah. in like smart toilets or even, you know, menstrual health products that um, are more of a health diagnostic tool. Like what, what could these things look like? And yeah. what does that mean for society and people and, you know, democratizing access to health? you know, related to these things. And for me, that I, I think there's a lot there that um, I could get very excited about um, in a yeah. PhD program. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm already calling you Dr. Burton. So you've already oh. got the, you've already <laughs> got the PhD in my mind. I also want to go back to a phrase you used earlier. You said the word, my identity. I don't know if you remember saying that. Yep. What did you mean when you said my identity? Yeah. So I, um, I'm definitely of the mindset of, you know, Everybody shows up in their full self in, in all that they do. Uh-huh. And um, regardless of if they notice it or not, um, and I know for me, it's been sort of a journey uh, recognizing and reconciling that. Um, and for me, uh, so I am a mixed race person. Uh, I'm a you know woman. And how that shows up in different ways of, of how I can navigate or have access to different conversations um, and or you know challenges that I face in, in the business or uh, public health space. I know... Um, I was doing some work in, in Zambia and in uh, Uganda for a while uh, related to toilets and sanitation. And there's a lot of cultural norms around women talking about some of mm. these things, some of these topics that are very stigmatized or taboo and how to navigate that as a person who is very passionate about it and uh, you know comes from degree backgrounds. And how do you sort of meet them where they are in a way that they will receive it, but also is not mm. kind of... Um, kind of, yeah, just sacrificing your yourself. Uh, so I think that's been a, definitely a dance that I've had to learn is kind of how do you, how do you advocate for your causes? How do you communicate your, your mm-hmm. you know, what you're believing in, in a way that, you know, your intended audience will receive, mm-hmm. uh, which is not always an easy, <laughs> easy thing to navigate. And then I think too, another piece of my identity uh, that's, that is really important is uh, just identifying as a hybrid professional. Uh, mm-hmm. So recognizing that when I come into a space, I'm not just a product designer, you know, I'm not just a public health researcher. I'm not just, you know, a business person. I sort of come in with this blended viewpoint and that sometimes, um, you know, it, it's challenging for folks to, to wrap their brain around depending on who they are and yeah. sort of how they see me. Um, and so I think uh, being able to present that in a way that, you know, breaks down barriers and enables conversation further so that people sort of know that that's the, the vantage point that I'm coming to the space with, with a blended personal identity and a blended professional identity. Oh, I just love it. Love it. Have you had a chance to give some thought to what aspirational but practical advice you would have for our Me Sweet listeners, things we could start doing differently on Monday in this business for good space? Yes, there's there's so much, like I, I've mentioned, there's so much momentum right now around kind of the impact space. Um, a lot of people are reevaluating, a lot of companies are you know talking about how they can change their systems and structures to be better for for their workers, for society. Uh, which I think are great conversations. I think, you know, as people who are occupying the space or that are interested in the space, it would be really fantastic for to have more voices that are calling out who's missing, right? Uh, this, again, this empathy, this human-centered mm. mindset of, 
you know, perhaps we need to invite X, Y, and Z people, or perhaps we need to have a focus group, or perhaps we need to ask some other questions to really get a holistic view of what we're trying to change or the strategy we're trying to build or the product we're trying to create so that we're not speaking to each other in a kind of echo mm. chamber of, you know, homogeny. Like we want it to be diverse so that we can actually create a solution that's meant for diverse audiences. I think, again, a lot of organizations and people are, you know, having these really important conversations, but it still is hard for, for others um, who might be influenced by these decisions to access or provide their thoughts and feedback. So I think, you know, first thing on Monday, it would be fantastic for people mm-hmm. to sort of ask those questions of, you know, who's at the table and yeah. who's not. Who's missing? And how do we, how, how do, how do we um, enable those who aren't here to, you know, have a voice? I love it. That's just beautiful. Well, uh, I would say who's missing uh, was probably you uh, in my life, in my earlier career, you were missing. I really <laughs> hope that there is such a thing as reincarnation. I would like to come back and have a do-over and just, just be able to do so many of these things that you're inspiring me to do now. You are making me feel so positive about the future. So just say, thank you for being you in the universe right now. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much again. This is fantastic. This is hybrid professional Jasmine Burton, everybody, in the me-suite. Thank you for spending time in the me-suite. If you have ideas for topics you'd like discussed this season, contact me at themesuite.com or on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And remember, five-star ratings and reviews keep us alive out here. They really do make a difference. <laughs>